0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young.
1: Welcome to another episode of the award winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with the Maddie King of Maddie's Diner. Good food is at the heart of every great day. Uh, food brings us together. It can make us feel better and, of course, provides the energy for all the things that we want to accomplish. Some of us cook. Some of us go to restaurants to get good food, but today's guest on the podcast had a different idea. We are so excited to welcome Maddie King here. Maddie is a somewhat of a renaissance man, a Spartan race trainer, owner, uh, and coaching a gym, uh, being a pillar in this community, and, of course, if somebody needs good food we know exactly where to go and uh, it doesn't you don't just have to go to a restaurant uh Maddie's here to open up their mind Learn more about this journey. He is Jersey-born, Charlotte-made, the original, the one and only. Maddie King, welcome to this episode of the Brand Butters Podcast.
2: What an introduction, man. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Brian's really That's good great. at those issues. Yeah, I man. love it, I love it. I feel like we're about to have a fight or something, man. I, uh, uh, I, 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 like I don't want to fight you, you I'm, might I, beat my no, ass. No, no, <laughs> like, hey, remember, he's a trainer. Yeah, I gotta relax, I'm just up. Right, no, <laughs> thanks for having me, man. It's, Absolutely. Uh, this is really, really cool, and anytime we get a, a chance to come out and talk about the diner and our experience man we, we love to do it so thanks for having us it's awesome thank
0: you for being here man um, I'm on your website now and I can't get off the first picture that's this burger oh. that looks absolutely <laughs> amazing I'm starving already so looking forward to hearing okay. this story great um, tell us a little bit about your background
2: uh, if you will uh, well I uh, I'm from Jersey like uh, like you guys said um, I grew up there until I was about 24, graduated from Rutgers, grew up working in restaurants. My mom was a maitre d' at a fancy Italian restaurant, so we were always bus boys and, and waiters and just doing, uh, my dad was in, as an electrician, so we were doing either construction or, or restaurants the whole time. Um, I grew up playing hockey up there uh, for Rutgers. When I graduated, I moved out to Texas and began my restaurant management career. I hooked up with Jason's Deli um, and moved all over the country, all probably 25 times, opening up restaurants for those guys when they were a small company, uh, all over Louisiana and Texas, and that's what got me to Charlotte. And then, so I guess I got to Charlotte in about uh, 2000. Good time. Yeah, yeah, perfect time. This place is, I exploding. Oh, exploding! It's crazy. Like, yeah, they, you don't even recognize it at 100%. all anymore. So um, I, I came out here with those guys, and um, but I've always wanted to do my own thing, and being from Jersey. Uh, You know, the diner capital of the world. It was uh, it was sort of a no brainer. You know, Um, there just weren't wasn't any diners here at the time, Um, so uh, that's how we got involved in in the diner business, and um, here I am today. Very cool, man.
1: So tell us what made you decide after you know going on that journey. Obviously, you've been around food your your whole life, as you as you mentioned. You know, with your parents, and then being with Jason's Deli. You know, where was that switch that said it? You know. I want to, I want to open up my own place. Cause I think a lot of, we talk about this a lot. We've had a lot of people on this podcast and there was always something, whether it was an event that happened in their life or maybe really just the balls to take that risk. Right. And say, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I think that's the biggest challenge that a lot of people have in life is they're not really willing to really take that risk because I think a lot of people are afraid of failure. Yeah, uh, And so they just stay, sta- you, stay, stay, Yeah, right? you,
2: you nailed it. So I mean, I, I wasn't always doing this alone. I'm still not doing this alone. But it's amazing how many people, whether it's friends or coworkers, that I wanted to do this with that were not willing to take the risk. And and I think it's just, I mean, I wouldn't say your personality, but it's just who you are. You're either an entrepreneur or you're not an entrepreneur. And a lot of people will spend time writing a business plan, a business plan, a business plan, and it's not the right time. I need to get this, and I need to do this, and then I need to do that. And I make most decisions in my life. Sometimes it turns out well, sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) Um, We just get after it, let's do it, and suffer the consequences, good or bad, later. So I I think I've always been, you know, even in sports, playing hockey or or baseball or whatever it is, I've always been um, somehow elevated to a captain of a team. I like to lead people uh, to success. Um, You know, it's just, it's one of those things where I I mean, it may sound narcissistic, I don't know, but I just don't like taking orders from other people too much. I love to learn from other people, there's no doubt. And I've had some great leaders and some great mentors, but that's not the role that I wanna be in all the time. I wanna create, do some things on my own and build a team that helps me to success. Because by no means is any of my success just based on me, not even close. But I just, I was willing to take the step get it done and find good people to help me help me uh, along the way so I think it's just you had just have it in you
0: tell us about that that journey a little bit so you landed in Charlotte in 2000 that's the same year I came here oh really and it's just been such a really cool and friendly and uh, you know the, the city and the just the building the network and people wanting to see people successful and that kind of thing we, we have that vibe here oh yeah and we've had major major growth uh, in these past 22 years. Um, at what point did you start the diner uh, after you opened up the Jason's Deli? <laughs> well, I was,
2: uh, well, pen to paper was in 2000. The second, the second I got here, um, uh-huh. I, well, I, you know, I don't know that it actually. Let me back up. It wasn't necessarily the diner concept. I, I, I always originally thought that I was going to do an Italian concept until I was working for Jason's, and then when I left Jason's, I was working for Einstein Bagels for a while in Uptown, um, so we met. Every day in the banks, um, you know, in those offices, people who were like from Jersey, New York and, and up northeast who were transplants down here, everybody's asking where's a good diner. So I kind of gave up on that Italian concept and just like, we got to do, we got to do the diner. One, I miss them. I miss going to them, you know, where I grew up, every other corner, you know, you have a, have a diner. And then um, I just, I just, you know, just talking to so many people every day, day in and day out, um we said we got to do this so originally we were kicking around the idea of building a new one sort of like uh what you guys were just talking about the diner that was just moved uptown that was probably built in in the 90s you could build one and we had different lands and different deals with different developers and and all that and but i just at heart i really wanted an old school real stainless steel neon diner from the 40s or 50s and that's are these things on wheels are they like a trailer no 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 they're not they're not on wheels it's built like a Basically, the structural part of it is modular. It's built like a modular mobile home, but it, it's not. You probably attach it to wheels, right? You know, it, but it weighs <laughs> it weighs fifty two thousand pounds. So they're gonna, right. they're well, gonna have to be something. Like, How the heck do you some, move these things, some you know? big wheels? Yeah, so uh, wheels. originally, when they were built, they were. Um, everybody kind of refers to them as train cars as well. The, okay. a lot of the factories were next to railroad tracks, and they would ship them by rail. But they're not. They don't have wheels that, attached to them. It. It's actually very easy to move. It's not, like, you have some cribbing, some blocks underneath it, mm-hmm. and you jack it up a little bit with some hydraulic jacks like a house mover would do. We mm-hmm. actually used it the first time. Um, the jack guy didn't show up, so we used a forklift and some bottle jacks. I just <laughs> went after it, man. So, yeah, you jack it up and slide the truck. I mean, it's a long, low boy, 18-wheeler. It goes out about 52 feet, 60, 52 to 62 feet, and then you just slide the truck under it, Lower it down, chain it down, away you go. Bring it to your next location. uh, Stab it with a crane, some straps, some spreader bars above it so you don't squish it in half. And that's another story. These guys almost squished it in half the first time we moved it. Ooh. Uh, Yeah, I I saw them. (laughs) I I came up when we were setting it from the truck onto the foundation in the music factory. And I was, they started a little early and I was about 10 minutes late. And I come rolling up and I see, I looked above the crane, there were no spreader bars which keeps the weight, the straps from basically coming into a chair job and squeezing it in half. And I start screaming out the window, oh, hold on a second. You know, oh my wait God. up, guys. <laughs> oh there's no spreader God. bar. So you can see on the front of the diner, there's two dents where those straps were that I got there just in time. If I didn't get there, they would have squeezed that thing in half. Oh, my and, God! Yeah, this, this diner's uh, from 1948. It's all original, too. So it's not like you can just replace it. They're out there. You know, yeah. you, you can get them. But these days, you can get them for a dollar. But you have to spend all the money to renovate, or renovate or and moving them. Yeah. You know, we moved them. It was probably, I think, it was probably somewhere around twenty thousand. Now to cost you from that location, you know, yeah. it's well over a hundred thousand dollars just to move them. So, yeah, as so we can't, it's, it makes it hard to to get them, bring in, them, down here now.
0: In that regard, do you uh, do you just do like a land lease? Uh, do you work out with the land? I, like, hey, I personally
2: you? am. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm on a land lease now. But the first time we were, and that's that's sort of why we are in the position that we're in now. Um, when we first opened up in Charlotte, we were in the music factory and uh, we were on a land lease there. And I had some protections in there that if the land sold, you know, we would be moved somewhere within there. But I had a business partnership breakup and had a new lease and that protection wasn't in there anymore. So um, when they sold that land, we had to go. Although the lands were, landlords were great, they helped us store it and pay to store it until we found a new location and everything. So those guys That's were, awesome. yeah, um, the guys who own the music factory Lazis and uh, Rick and Noah. So they, they took good care of me in the meantime. But um, I'm currently on a land lease again, but the guys who own the land are my partners now. They're, uh, oh, there they're you just, go. over the course of developing this concept throughout COVID and, and the rezoning process. It took about two years to get this particular project up and going. Um, we had such a great relationship. I just, I really want those guys to be involved. So, it's a little bit of protection, but they're just great guys to be involved in. Like I said, I, I love team projects. I love community, and, and uh, it's just more fun to do with other people.
0: Out of your locations, where do you see where do you see the most volume? Was it music? I would, oh, I would
2: think probably where you are now. Oh, it's here. Because yeah. music
0: factory is yeah. spotty, right? Like with music, traffic. Yeah, or it used to be. Now there's businesses out yeah, there. Yeah, there's a few
2: businesses, but... Um, nobody just rolls back to the music factory on accident, right? You know, they, they, it's a great purpose, great music venue. I love being over there. I was telling you outside that there were some unintended consequences of meeting all the bands and getting tickets and going to every show that they had over there. And it was, it was a fun time, but having, you know, that was a destination spot. Um, my original, and I was a lot younger, man. Like you said, when, when did I start this concept? I, that was 2000. Uh, When I put pen to paper, we didn't get it open until 2010. That took 10 years of trying to get it open, not planning, but you know, busting your ass every day, doing something to try to get it open. Yeah, and um, and it was just, I was a younger man, we did 24 hours, you know, we figured there's bars in here, they're gonna close and come out. I could tell you a thousand stories of why I don't do 24 hours anymore. Um, <laughs>
0: I can't imagine. But, yeah. you know,
2: the, the original concept of of the diner being a neighborhood place um, for everybody is, uh, you know, is, is what I was thinking of, what I envisioned when I first started putting pen to paper. And we're in the Plaza Shamrock neighborhood now, which has been changing over the past um, probably 10 years, but um, dramatically over the past two or three years. And we get the support, you know, the families and the young couples and the kids walking up out of the neighborhood every day and especially on the weekends, you know, we just get crushed, and and um, just having your regulars coming from the community right behind us and around us is is why we do it. But we still have regulars from the old spot, you know. Yeah. Um, we built a pretty good business over there, but they were driving from Matthews and Mooresville and Troutman and all, all over the place to come and come and see us. Wow. And they still do. We, I mean, it was really nice. Over one good thing that comes from social media is your ability to stay in touch with people. You know, it's intended purpose, and we had customers for uh for the six years that we were closed once a month just texting messaging and uh just saying hey when's it when's it gonna open how are you guys doing and the day we opened they were all in line um we just got crushed <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> yeah it was it was great man we uh we, we have we have some good people following us supporting us
1: I love it. So you mentioned, uh, I want to go back in time here when you mentioned that you you played hockey uh, at Rutgers, right? Yeah. Um, And so I, I played a college sport. I was a soccer player at Georgia Southern. Oh, cool. And I always like to ask, we've had a lot of athletes on here that have transitioned and been very successful, whether they own a business, whether they've done something, whatever it is. But that's a very hard transition. Once you've done a sport your whole life and then when college is over, if you don't go pro, that's it, right? (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, if you have the power And I was nowhere
2: near it, let me be clear. It wasn't even it wasn't even in contention.
1: But at the same time, you took to to be able to be a, a college athlete takes a lot of hard work. Sure. Um when maybe other kids aren't doing that, right? But you get to that point, you're you're at the highest level and then it's over. Right. Yeah. And and that transition period to take you're never going to have that type of feeling again. I, I can only imagine. I love hockey. Like I grew up going to hockey games. I, I Like NHL hockey games, best sporting event to go to, period, live. It is incredible. Like it is. I, I can't even imagine these people go that fast on skates right. it's, and it's on ice. And it's, it's, a, it's pretty wild these days. It's, 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 it's a million it's, times faster yeah, than it used to be. It's it, insane. It's it is insane. But I want to hear about that transition where. Because when you get that drive and that, and that passion and just like the excitement, it's hard to duplicate that. But the ones that are successful can duplicate that same type of energy into a business. And you talked about being a leader and yeah. you talked about growing people. And that's really kind of where I feel you got your entrepreneurial spirit. How did that journey transition out of hockey? And you, you use what you learned in sports on a daily basis with your team, with your, uh, your, your company and your business.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you use it. I don't think you sit down and say, okay, I'm going to use this and you strategize. What did I learn? I think it's you just uh, it's just that experience that you get and you just you you become successful because of um, you know prior success or even prior failures and you learn and you just incorporate it. So you don't incorporate the hockey now. I just incorporate it into the business. Um, the one thing that I'll say is uh, my favorite part of hockey was was the locker room. You know, the battles on the ice was great. You know, going to, you know, going to battle with your teammates, um, with, you know, with a common purpose and coming out whether you won or you lost, that is adrenaline. That's a rush. And, man, it's super, super identical in the restaurant business because you have that two, three-hour rush period. You've surrounded yourself with the best people you could find. You've trained them. You've worked with them. You know, some, some guys have been working together for 10 years. You know, it's, uh, you, you laugh, you joke, you, you cry, you fight, you've got all that together, just like the locker room, just like out on the ice, and you're just going for a different goal. We're just serving food and trying to make people happy as opposed to trying to put the puck in the net. It is so similar. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. I don't even know that I've thought about it as, as much if you just put it that way, but it's, it's identical. It's, it's that, that feeling and that team and leading the team to, uh, to success. Or failure, or something like that. I, You but know, I, I love
1: the emotion about you're laughing, crying, fighting. Yeah, dude. It's, <laughs> it's all of it. true. You're a family. It's like, true. it is legit. You are, uh, yeah. you
2: are family. You know, uh, I spent, uh, we, when we used to be open 24 hours, sometimes I go to work Friday morning when come home to Sunday night. You know, that's just, that's, sure. a, you see, you are with people. Yeah. That is your family at that time. So choose, choose them well, you know, and, and, uh, you just you just got to keep weeding through the bad and find the good and and, um, and become successful. It's it's funny you mentioned the sports analogy because my first boss, uh, Pat Herring at Jason's Deli, I think he's retired now. I'm still in contact with him. This was back in '93, I guess, when I hooked up with those guys. He hired me solely for the fact that I played hockey and was a captain of the team. That was it. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't care about it. He's he played football at uh, Texas A&M, I believe. And he was an athlete and knew the benefits, like you just said, of, uh, you know, winning and losing. I mean, half the battle is losing, knowing how to lose properly, you yeah. know, and what you take away from it, not shutting down and not crying and whining about it. And you can get emotional. You're going to be upset about it, but let's learn from, from it. it. And yeah. yeah, grow from it. Learn from it. I mean, That's I've failed sure. way more times, way more times than I've succeeded. I mean, like I said, it took me 10 years from pen to paper to get the diner open the first time. You know, and everybody yeah. says... Well, it took you six years to get it open. How'd you deal? This? I'm four years ahead. Last time it took me 10 years. This time, from <laughs> the time we... Closed, yeah, exactly, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing much better now, so... Well,
0: they always say you learn a lot more in your failure times or your harder times than from success. If you're right? smart. Like, yeah, if you, yeah, well, if you pay well, attention yeah, to it. Yeah.
2: Some, some, Depending some on guys, how you treat it. It's That's true, great. especially in... Uh, I mean, I, I can't speak for other industries, but in this industry, there's uh, a lot of people, a lot of egos yeah no they don't want to learn anything from anybody. It's I know best, and this is uh this is it and if i fa- if we failed, it's not my fault it's you know it's the guy on the salads or the guy you know, your host you know or, or somebody it's never their fault so there's there's a lot of that out there, but it's probably like that in every industry. it's more of a personality thing, I guess
0: yeah, for sure. do you see that in particular and this might be something you don't even want to discuss, but with <laughs> chefs in general? <laughs> um the the ego thing
2: Uh, yeah but you know it's not everybody man it's it's, again it's definitely not everybody but i think i don't know um it's it's hard to say ego i I think i probably have an ego too people would tell you that i probably have an ego but it's there's a soft ego there's a hard ego right and so like like you ego to me uh sort of reflects some confidence that you can do the job and obviously if you're a leader yeah you want to reflect to your team that you can do the job, follow me. We're gonna, I'll get you to the goal line. Um, it's, it's, there's, there are some people who, but again, it's probably just personality more so than, than just the industry. Yeah. Of, of people who just think that they're better than everybody else. And I mean, it's, the chef world is so highlighted these days it's so you know it's it's uh it is it's, it's glorified it's, these days right you know you have all the tv and
1: it's, media it's behind tv it. man it, yeah. yeah it
2: all it all started from tv and there's some great shows that are out there i, I love it but i love humble people man yeah. show me what you can do work hard be humble and 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 that's it you know yeah. the, the i see a little bit of cockiness in the sense that you're or not, it shouldn't be cockiness it's confidence yeah. i love seeing the confidence all right i love see i love seeing people grow too i mean my whole career, I've always, when I, especially when I was working with other people, I've always been the training manager somewhere. That's what I was doing with Jason's Deli, opening up all the restaurants and being their training manager. I love taking people that are green that just show that they want to learn and they're not scared. And and even if they are scared, they can push through it and, and uh, just have the confidence that you know, we're going to get there. You know, yeah. stumble along the way, but the, that we're going to get there. So uh, just... Be humble in life in 100%, general. Man. Just be humble. 100%. You know, what, what you do will speak for itself. Well, it goes a lot speak further. for
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It does exactly. go a lot further, for exactly. sure. So uh, I'm looking at the menu, and Dan. Uh, oh, it's the, big.
0: Like. It's looking good, too.
1: It looks really, really good. Yeah. So it's, it's a big menu. You, you Diners you in general have big menus. Yeah. yeah. But, but you mentioned that, um, you know, where you're from, and, and, and did that kind of... Develop what your menu is. How did you come to get all these different ideas? And then you have to to tell us what what some of your favorites are.
2: Yeah, I think I started off with the traditional diner menu, probably what everybody thinks of when the diners. You got meatloaf and and uh, burgers and hot dogs and pancakes and French toast. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we. We have expanded that a little bit. We, you know, we just try to do stuff that's a little bit funky. Um, you know, whether that's a pizza burger where you throw mozzarella sticks and marinara oh on God. on top of a burger, or, you know, oh just my God. just. But we we have all the classics, the pot roast, and like I said, the the meatloaf. Meatloaf was Maddie's mom's, mom's, mom's recipe. Meatloaf. Yeah, Ooh. she'd kill me if I didn't mention that. That's her recipe. <laughs> uh, She's true. like,
1: that's your favorite, and that's the best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, it, it yeah.
2: is. It it is. But um, when she comes. Uh, to to the restaurants, she'll walk around and tell everybody it's her recipe, and
1: you that's know. awesome. That's well, true. man? Yeah, yeah, I, that's cool. yeah,
2: dude. I mean, without without Hell her, yeah. uh, I probably wouldn't be. So doing So your mom this. moved down too? No, no, oh, they just come to okay, visit. Cool. My my entire family's still still up in Jersey. Okay, so the Jersey influence on the menu really is uh, the the Taylor ham that's on there. Uh, Taylor ham is sort of like uh, it's it's a pork breakfast meat that you really only see in Jersey. It's sort of like a, a cultural pop culture kind of kind of thing up there, sort of like liver mushes to Carolina, is to maybe, um, you know, Pennsylvania. And, uh, there's some, some other areas that have their own, you know, spam whatnot. Mm-hmm. Jersey has Taylor ham. So that was the first thing that went on the menu. So everybody from Jersey and there's a million of us down here, you got Taylor ham on the menu. It's, yeah, absolutely. Jersey burgers on there. It's Taylor ham, egg and cheese, salt, pepper, and ketchup. That's, uh, the way, that's the way to go. So, um, I think that, you know we've expanded the menu. The, well, the one the one thing that we do that um, we had to do was open the menu. No matter what time we're open, you get anything on the menu. So you want to come in at eight o'clock at night and get French toast? We got it. You want to mm-hmm. get a burger and and meatloaf at seven in the morning? We've got it. Whatever you want to do. That's that's the key to being a diner. You know, um, twenty four hours. Like I said, that's that. Those days are over. That's blood money. I'm not doing that ever, 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 ever again. So. Um, what are your hours now? Uh, we're we're open from seven in the morning every day. Uh, most nights we close at nine, except for Sunday and Monday we close at two p.m. Yeah, just get, catch a little break on on those days. But um, one of the things you notice, we have a a, a big. should tell you we have a big uh, vegan selection that that's on there, and and that came about. I I was uh, I I started running, and I was getting ready for uh, for my my big hundred mile race. What and. Uh, yeah, we just pick Another up a story in itself. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it is. That's coming next. <laughs> yeah, but um, but I uh, I wanted to see what eating vegan would do, especially you know being at, at the gym trying to eat healthy, and, uh, and and so I wanted to see what eating vegan would do for my body leading up to this race, and, and my wife as well. And we every time we would go out to a, a restaurant, and you're trying to eat vegan at a regular, it's called a regular restaurant, right? You didn't go to a vegan restaurant, you're stuck eating a salad or pasta, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of defeats the purpose after a while. Um, So we decided that when we got this diner reopened, we were going to um, have a a lot of vegan selections on there that represent a diner, Mm -hmm. you know? So we've got, uh, so if anybody comes like uh, you, you come and and you come with Yosh and and he's trying to eat vegan and you're eating regular, you both want meatloaf, we've got it. We've got regular meatloaf, we've got vegan meatloaf, we've got pot roast and we're just coming up next week, we're actually putting vegan pot roast on the menu, but we've got pancakes, vegan pancakes, we've got... Um, just so many, uh, like meatball sandwiches, vegan meatball sandwiches, pastrami Reuben, a vegan pastrami Reuben. So there's probably 15, 20 different options like that on, on the menu. So that's definitely not a Jersey thing. That's just came from our experience and wanting to provide, especially, like I said, being in Plaza Midwood area, there's a lot of vegans in that area and it's a great community, man. They have supported us tremendously. I didn't expect yeah. as much as we, as we did. And I don't know why I didn't, but, um. It's it's going on. That's up a great. good surprise. It was a yeah. great surprise, man. It was it was a great it was a great uh, business decision, you know. And, and again, you just we're we're all just trying to get smiles every day, man. So to see people light up when they come out and see all those options is is uh, is golden for me. So
1: so what did it do to your body before you ran your ultra? And I'm going to ask you uh, about that as well because my uncle is an ultra runner, and it blows my mind to be honest. Um, it just uh, it's yeah. a crazy crazy sport that takes unbelievable mental yeah it's, ability uh, to uh, even do something physical you've got to I train mean, your mind for right, sure 100 yeah.
2: i mean um, well get, first i'll answer your question first yeah. uh, what do they do for for my body um I, I lost weight for sure i got down to a better running weight when i was just working out and eating a lot of a lot of meats um I was, man, I was sitting up like 190 pounds. Too much to run that far. For me, I'm a little guy, I'm like five foot six, man. You know, that's, that's too much to be a yeah, big that's meatball strong. like that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's too much. So um, it, it kept me at a great running weight easily, no problem. Um, and and I just, just felt lighter. I had energy, I was less bloated. But it's easy to ruin too, because vegan doesn't mean healthy by any means. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll throw french fries in the fryer and top them you know, with some vegan cheese and, and, and a bunch of stuff that's not necessarily healthy. It's you're still eating fried food, man. It's not not healthy. So, um, and, and also, it's very easy to slip into that carb world. You know, I have five kids as well, so planning um, dinners and all. Not not that I cook at the house. I, I I don't pretend to do that. My wife does all the cooking at home, ninety nine percent of it. But even we notice like if you didn't plan your meals well, you slip right back into what I was saying. I didn't want was the pasta and the salads. And, and the and easy go to. Yeah, the e- exactly. I just yeah. avoiding, your vegan becomes avoiding meat, and that's not mm-hmm. always the healthiest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but for me as, as well, I, I got, I, I didn't heal as well though when I was vegan. That was one thing. I don't know if I had the right combinations of stuff. Maybe it was when I was getting lazy towards the end, not getting the right combinations of proteins. It would, you know, if I was climbing a rope at the gym and you get shin burn, normally it takes me, you know, three days to heal. It was taking me like three weeks to heal up. So when I get, went back to eating meat for me, It was there, so you just you got to be disciplined, do the right thing, and not be lazy. Like sounds like anything else, right? Yeah, I mean, tell us about the the race, man. Yeah, get that done. Oh yeah, yeah. so the you talked about mental toughness, right? Yeah, (laughs) I was not ready. I did a, I signed up for my first fifty miler. Was at the Whitewater Center here. And I was not ready. I was not prepared. I was, you know, I was doing, I was listening to David Goggins. There you go. I was, like gonna, I was about to bring him up. I was, <laughs> I was wondering, you know, how, how many. I got this shit. Yeah, exactly. How many, how He's many people. Freak. He's a freak, you yes. know. But so I, I, what I didn't realize is what, so, I mean, back up. I went out, I started running. First thing, I, it was my first race. I didn't know anything about racing. It was my first race ever. I had my headphones on that was giving me, giving me my pace like every, quarter mile I had about 42 pounds of food on my back it was just it was ridiculous I showed up there's this guy Bill Shires he's in his 50s this guy is crazy somebody uh he's had like a 13,000 day running streak going since college he's like 57 it's crazy yeah I didn't know Bill at the time but I show up at this race and it's pretty cold in the morning It's maybe October and I show up and there's this guy standing there in like short shorts plastic water bottle I don't even think he had socks on no shirt I'm like wow Look at this. this, dude, this where's this guy's going to be out in a minute. And, of course, Bill wins the race, right? Oh, <laughs> I get 20 miles in after listening to all this David Goggins, I got this, I got this. <laughs> uh, I got my hernia popped, and I was thanking oh. – but I was thanking God because it was miserable. I was like, thank you, God. For the excuse For the excuse, to, for the get excuse out, yeah. to get out. And I didn't know etiquette. I didn't even go over and tell the, the race directors, hey, I'm out. I just – you know, I was walked off in, to the car, got in the car, and cramped up. Couldn't move for about an hour. It was just, it was miserable. But like we said, you know, I, I learned from it. You know what, man? And looking back on it, David Goggins trained his mind probably since he was six years old, his 100%. life experience, and and in the army and everything else. And I said, you know what, I, I got to spend time doing that. So when I went for my first hundred mile race, um, I had spent even if it was in the gym, you're doing these short twenty minute workouts where you feel like you're going to die, but you don't give up. Little bouts like that really helped, helped my throw. And the 100 went, 100 went great.
1: So, Which one did that's you do? Awesome.
2: Um, or have you
1: done multiple?
2: Yeah, I've done I, – I did th- – last year in December I did uh, with the Vagabond Endurance guys, the Unico uh, 100s down in, in Wingate. And then uh, just last – two weeks ago I hopped into a 100. I was going to do the Unico again, but uh, honestly I've been feeling sort of mentally not challenged, a little weak. Um, and I, I really felt like I needed a challenge, so I, I hopped in the day before this hundred mile race, uh Halloween hobble up in Statesville, uh a guy named Drew Combs and uh he he runs that one and I hopped in and did did that one. So just so, recently? Like yeah, it's like two weeks ago. Yeah. I think. Yeah. How long did it take you? For, forever, man. I'm what they, I don't know if you guys if you guys <laughs> It's hundred miles, yeah, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm look, I'm not fast. My goal is most just things in life is just to finish. Yeah. And and so it took me like twenty nine hours and forty minutes. You got a thirty you get a thirty hour cutoff, but I'm what they call like the golden hour finisher. You know, one of those guys that comes. There's a lot of emotion that yeah. goes goes on in that last hour. People coming across the line because, my, you, your elite oh, yeah. runners are coming in at you know 17, 18, maybe even elite, elite, better than that. You yeah. know, probably 12 and 14 hours. Got Some you. of these guys, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it took me the first time 29:33. This time it was 29:40, and. uh Dude, That's fun, though, man. That's a good time.
0: The closest thing I have to that is uh, the salt on Mount Mitchell. It's a cycling okay, yeah. event. Yeah, starts sure. in Greenville-Spartanburg, ends at the top of Mount Mitchell. Okay. And is that I, nine, I 9, 000, Mount Mitchell about
2: 9,000 feet up It's, there? it's
0: 60 – I think it's like 6,600 feet. Okay. But it's the highest peak east of the Mississippi. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. But, dude um, – same thing, man. I finished, but I only had about 20-some minutes left yeah, to get it's in there. great right? And I wasn't last, but I was close, right. but I freaking finished. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, dude, I was by myself because the guys that taught me into doing the damn thing in the first place <laughs> had already quit. Yeah. And uh, and it was raining. And, yeah. and by the way, it was, you know, let's say 70 in Spartanburg, but it was freaking 40 at the top uh, yeah. of that thing and raining. So you had those elements, right? Yeah. Big, and then, uh, I sat challenge. there, man, dude, I finished by myself. And I sat there. I, I remember just crying. Yeah. Like you said, just oh, full yeah. of emotion.
2: Like, Absolutely, man, i finished to finish this thing. Absolutely. I, um, shed, I shed a tear or two on my yeah. my, my first one as well. This one, I, you know, like I said, I was looking for the mental battle. I shouldn't have jumped in. I wasn't physically ready. I banged up my shins pretty I good. And <laughs> I, 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 I knew I wasn't physically ready, but I was after that mental battle. And I wanted to quit for the first 50 miles. Every, I had some buddies out there as well that, that, you know, that, that wound up helping me out tremendously, especially on the, on the last 50, because I went out there without a crew. And, uh, but anyway, the first 50, I wanted to quit every probably 5, 10 miles. I'm sure. And that. I got hit in the head with an acorn, and, I, was, and I, I, remember <laughs> the, I, I remember the thought, if I go grab that rock and I hit myself hard enough in the head, it'll look like you know, I really got hurt and I can get out. And, and, you know, and I was doing things like, um, you know, I'll just tell them I saw a bear. And and I'm scared. I want it out, man. Your, your I, mind dude, was. I wanted yeah. out tremendously, yeah. and then after, like I even said, I, I remember clearly. And this is like real shit. This is not like making up. I remember saying, I just tell him that I saw this guy dressed as a werewolf and and you know going <laughs> around in the, you know at at night and just let you know I don't feel comfortable yeah. out there. I want out. And then I t- I, I toe dragged on a root and and my toenail almost came all the all the way off and mm. but the nerves were still attached so. I'm like it it hurt so I walked the next mile every step was just just killing me I was like a toenail is this really what's going to take me out no this this isn't happening and then it must have come off completely cuz then it stopped hurting like instantly so the nerves must have you know come unattached or whatever and it didn't hurt anymore and I was like okay we're in this. I'm uh, for me mentally once I get past 50 I am uh, I'm good cuz now I have less to run than I've already run before mm-hmm. But anyway, it's, well, there's that mental battle, man. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, It transfers, to the, it transfers to the restaurant, though. Yeah. This, you know, I I didn't mean to get off into the running world. You know, we're no, but that about all ties into the
0: fabric of the leader you are, and you well, know, those. It's things.
2: just and lessons learned yeah. from from failure, right? So, I I kept saying to myself, thinking back to the restaurant and having the experience of success at the Unico 100, and then having the success and failures in the restaurant. I said, you know what? Just like the restaurant, this shift is going to end. It's gonna end with or without me. It's gonna end, you know. The 30 hours is gonna be up. You're either gonna be home sleeping or you're gonna be at the finish line. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Just keep going, right. just keep suffering, just get keep through having, it, man. Keep, keep going. And, and and again, I had a lot of help though. Some some guys, uh, one of my buddies he, he DNF'd, and uh, so I picked up his crew, which are all friends of mine as well. So they uh they all helped me out and uh, you know, filling bottles and. Changing clothes and all that stuff. So it was, it was good.
0: Well, that was Goggins' book, right? Uh Can't hurt me. Yeah, he, yeah. dude. I mean, He's a wild toenails <laughs> coming off. Like, yeah, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. Just, just keep getting it, man. Yeah, just keep getting for it, For sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's interesting. It that's, is. We've had
1: the opportunity to meet Goggins a couple times. Oh, did you really? And um, yeah. and actually, we've done Very done cool. a little bit of work for him. And nice. He is uh just as intense in person as he is on his Instagram oh, videos. Yeah. Wow. I'll tell He's you got that. a new book coming he too. He does have a new book, which he said
2: is better. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I can't wait to read it. He, yeah. When you hear him speak, especially in person, you can, you know, listen to his Instagrams and all of that's fantastic. But when you see him in person and you get to meet him. It's like, damn! All that shit is true. It's all real. <laughs> yeah. You can't it's, fake that, it, they're, man. They're, yeah, you, right, yeah that's too much. You can't fake like, that. It's uh, it's absolutely. Incredible.
2: I tried to fake that at the race, and and I was out in twenty miles. So yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, really, you feel like an imposter.
1: Yeah, my uncle's in his sixties and is still running ultras. Cool, awesome. And, um, we now that he runs them all over the country, and and now that you know the the science minor, the technology, I should say, you can track them throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And there was a race he did in California where you literally went from it was like eighty degrees. To literally snowing, then eighty degrees snowing, and yeah. then you finish. It's, it's like one on the of the body. craziest ones. Yep. And his uh, his sensor came off at like seventy two miles. And my mom's calling me. She's like, "Are you? Are you? Do you know? Do you know what happened?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I have no idea." He's in the middle right. of effing nowhere. Right. Like, it is cool
2: to be able to follow yeah, along with it. It though. is. It's yeah. cool
1: and. And he's um, he's finished. I think there was like two, maybe that he didn't, and some crazy things happened, But DNFs are a a lot
2: more common than than you think. And I I didn't I didn't know that getting in. Like I said, the first walk car was a walk of shame. And now it's, you know, it's it's nothing. You just, shit happens. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, shit happens. Where there's
0: one way to get better at
1: it. Yeah. Do it. Do it again. Exactly. (laughs) So where, uh, tell us everybody exactly where, you know, uh, Maddie's Diner is. Um, What's the best way for, for obviously, come eat there. But, um, (laughs) you know, follow you on social media, get in touch with you. I mean, your store is amazing. The food's amazing. Like, all that's fantastic. This is a... A brand that everybody that that listen to this podcast and our entire community need to support, man.
2: Right. Well, I I, I appreciate that. So we are at the corner of uh, the Plaza and Shamrock, thirty one hundred the Plaza, uh, just in between in between Noda and Plaza Midwood, and and a neighborhood called Plaza Shamrock. Um, and we're, we're we're open every day. like I said till two o'clock on Sundays and Sundays and Mondays, nine o'clock the other days. Um, so. It, w- it was a long time getting there. I didn't even tell you guys how we like. I know you're running out of time, go, but, man, go. but originally, um, you, you say where are we? It's kind of interesting because when I I left the diner coming here, I, I was afraid I was gonna be late because there was this guy who's like 83 years old who was in the diner when it was in New Jersey. His son just just brought him in. This diner is more interesting than me for sure. So this di- just to give you a little history on the diner. It was built in 1948. It was in New Jersey until '99, and then it was. Um, underwater for two days from hurricane Floyd really yeah oh. so that the guy I just met just now said he's got pictures of it at the house I haven't been able to find any pictures of it he said he's got pictures of the house he's going to send to me so um, oh the that's original like me. really cool of, I sure. have a lot of pictures of the original diner yeah. but underwater so all you can oh, see is wow. the air conditioning oh. above wow. it I mean it was yeah when hurricane Floyd ripped through there so um, it put it out of business the the guy who owned it sold it to another guy he had it in this used car parking lot just sitting there from uh, 99 to 2005 is when, when we bought it. Uh, it was, like I said before, we were gonna build a new one, but I really wanted to find an, an older one, and, and I fell in love with this one. It was on the cover of a book called Jersey Diners, and, and I knew the story of it, and that it was out of business. So we, uh, we, we tried to find it. I had no luck for like six months, and finally I smartened up, and I called the author of the book. I tracked him down and said, you know, I'm interested in buying this diner, and you know who owns it and where it's at. He goes, yeah, Frank Bruno owns it, but he's, um, I don't have his number, but he's in South Jersey. So South Jersey, uh, Bruno is like Smith for the, yeah. re- for the rest yeah, of the world, yeah. you know? Uh, so I, I, this is before the internet was really, uh, r- was really good. And, and so I found uh, 42 Bruno families in, in South Jersey, <laughs> literally. And, <laughs> I, and I started calling them all. And uh, true story, it turns out he was the first guy that I called, but he wasn't home. And so I left 41 useless messages <laughs> to, other, to other people. And, and uh, I remember I was in Harris Teeter on Fifth Street um, one day. Uh, I was on, on, a, on a Thursday and he called me back while I was in the basement there, horrible cell coverage and I ran outside, don't hang up, don't hang up. Like I, you know, so I, I, I talked to him that Saturday, we drove up through a snowstorm that Monday. Uh, we, we bought it and moved it here uh, to Charlotte and that was 2005 and then we spent about five years in renovating it and got open in 2010 in that, that, in, that really in that music cool factory yeah and and uh, and in between the last six years that we've been in um, hibernation i guess you can call it we had to move it every place we moved it to one under construction we talk about the growth in charlotte uh-huh. uh this is all right so we had to move it across the street down the street a mile away we moved it four times before we found this okay. home in the, in the plaza yeah it's, it's fun we know how to do it we can do it in our sleep now yeah you know it's yeah. uh it's not as hard as you think so.
1: did you follow uh did you follow the diner all the way from from jersey down to charlotte <laughs> no, no 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 they because you can sp- see like a, that you know you see all the trucks in the front and the back and you're like it's a mobile home and you're like take yeah. up the whole
2: interstate no so we uh cool. part of the deal was the guy that we brought it bought it from uh frank bruno he was a politician up there and and uh, the story goes he was he was afraid that so many diners were leaving New Jersey. People are very bitter about that. You know, they're very protective of, of the diners. But again, the land becomes worth more than than mm-hmm. the building or the business, and people mm-hmm. have to sell. I mean, it's the right business decision for for especially a lot of these old Greek guys that started, and you know, and they can make a million bucks on their land. How do you blame them? Yeah, you know, for selling yeah. it. So anyway, so the, um, uh, Frank was afraid that he wasn't going to get reelected to his office if they found out that somebody was going to buy this diner and move it to the Carolinas. So. He, uh, oh, he made me put a, make a tarp, so I had this special tarp made, put around it, and we had to take it out at nighttime, like at midnight. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, they, so we basically wow. snuck the diner out of, out of Jersey, oh and, and I didn't God. follow it. Um, I, didn't, I didn't follow it down. Uh, I was too afraid. Like, yeah. this guy, he made it down from Jersey in like 11 and a half hours, too. Wow. He was hauling ass through the mountains, and nothing got broke, man. Nothing. Not a single thing.
0: How about that? Yeah, I,
2: I, I think we had it rigged up pretty well, too. I found this old guy um, who, who had moved them back in the 40s and 50s originally, and he came out and advised everybody how to chain it down. Because if you chain it down That's too tight, the floor awesome. breaks, the, the yeah. concrete and the tile, and everything slams down and breaks. So we had it done right. not Not a scratch on it, man. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's all right. Last question. That's are awesome. Are the are you? How old are your kids? And are <laughs> they are they in the in the diner base?
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so six, seven, 7, 15, 19, and twenty four. So uh, the twenty four year old is not. She's a hairdresser. <laughs> okay. Uh, my nineteen is a is a uh, she's a sophomore at App State, but she works with us when she's home. Cool. Uh, my fifteen year old works with us or babysits a kid, so my wife can come to work. So she's involved, and and yeah, the two little ones—they just—they like to come to eat mac and cheese and yeah, <laughs> chicken tenders and cucumbers. Yeah, <laughs> so um, the, they, they'll dude, that's some the tail. best place ever. I yeah. mean,
1: my wife does not like breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I love breakfast. Right. So and it's like me and her dad like we'll go to diners and like that's like we're eating breakfast, and she's over here you know ripping a hamburger at like 8:30 in the morning. Yeah, I've always mm-hmm. thought it's wild, but. Diners are the best place for us, right? Yeah. We can each get what we Everything. like. Yep. Um, and my kids, they'll just eat breakfast all the time, so. Um that's amazing. Well, this was awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, I love the the story. I feel like I want to go eat there right now. <laughs> right I'm on. Starving. Um, right yeah. on. Yeah,
2: again. I'm starving. And uh oh, you know where to find us. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. Thanks a- thanks for having me though. Yeah. This was uh, it's a lot of fun to give me the opportunity to talk about this place and share it with everybody what yeah. a great story man and it's awesome thank you thank for you. being here it's uh, awesome of
1: course um like we always say please like share comment go to maddie's diner support this guy support his family uh, amazing food like <laughs> go check out the menu right now you'll be driving over there in 30 minutes um <laughs> and uh really maddie thanks for for joining us man it's been a, uh, a pleasure to, to hear you. your story and i look forward to sharing it thank you awesome until next time you've been listening to this episode of the brand builders podcast